The Doctrine of Justification Romans chapter 5, verses 1 up to 11 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Introduction. If the book of Romans was a country of mountains, valleys, rivers, lakes, deserts, cities, and villages, all with its own history, government, culture, and language, our study of it thus far should be compared to flying over that country and viewing it at an altitude of, say, 10,000 meters. That just means we've not really done a verse-by-verse study to look at all the individual details in each chapter. There's a lot that we've passed over on purpose. Number one, that purpose has been to get a good, broad understanding of the body of Romans from a historical and grammatical perspective, so as to know what was originally intended by the human author, Paul the Apostle, and the divine author, the Holy Spirit. And number two, that purpose has been to avoid getting lost in all the individual details, There is so much to learn that it could literally take years to preach through Romans if, say, we took it one or two verses at a time. But from this quote-unquote altitude, we can grasp a lot in a little time. We've discovered in the previous studies the gospel message and its value, the confidence, necessity, and substance of the gospel. We've discovered epistemological presuppositions, just meaning established truths about the natural knowledge of man concerning God. There is not natural knowledge that does hold men accountable for their sins, but it does not save. Thus, we have Paul's necessity of the gospel. We've also discovered universal truths from chapter 2 up to chapter 4. I will not reintroduce those, and here is why we... Uh, need to fly a little lower over Romans. The universal truths of chapter 4 basically all revolve around the doctrine of justification by faith alone, and it deserves a closer look. So at this point in our survey of the land, so to speak, we're descending to about 5,000 meters in altitude to get a little closer so as to view the doctrine of justification as the apostle taught it in Romans 5, 1 up to 11. To get a good understanding of justification in general, we will first look back to chapter 4, verses 5 up to 8. Then we will look forward into our present text. 
Romans 4, 5 to 8 says, But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So, what is justification? It is basically God's counting you as legally righteous. That does not mean you are essentially righteous, even though you are actually ungodly because of sin. God accounts your faith as righteousness. Justification, furthermore, is God's imputation of unearned righteousness. Chapter 4, verse 6 speaks of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. As well, it is the forgiveness of your lawless deeds and the covering of your sins, according to verses 7 and 8. In that, it is God's non-imputation of your sins to you. Justification is the forensic aspect of the gospel, the legal aspect. Or else it includes the technical features of, or the analysis of, the goodness of the good news. It's the heart of the gospel. The imputation of God's righteousness to any believing person, as well as the non-imputation of their sins to them. Now that's a good definition in looking back to chapter 4. But now, looking forward to our present text in chapter 5, we have more about justification to learn. There are two passages in our text which are of interest, chapter 5, verse 1, and chapter 5, verse 9. These two verses are of interest because they give us a kind of outline of the text. Chapter 5, verse 1 starts out, Therefore, having been justified by faith, And then 5 verse 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood. That is, the blood of Jesus Christ. Seeing this first helps us to understand the apostle's purpose uh, as uh, intending to present the doctrine of justification. That was his main intention. And second, it helps us to perceive a flow in Paul's thought since he presented justification from these two different perspectives. Paul's presentation of justification flows from justification by faith in chapter 5, verse 1, to justification by the blood of Jesus in chapter 5, verse 9. It is by faith and it is by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is another way of saying the death of Jesus Christ. And it is both, that is, justification is by both faith and the blood of Christ. But there is a distinction to be made. Faith is the how to justification, and the death of Jesus is the why of justification. In other words, the acquirement of justification is by faith, but the accomplishment of justification was by the blood of Christ. That is, it is not because of your faith that you are justified. That is simply how you lay hold of it. The cause of justification is the death of Jesus Christ in your place. Your sins could not go unpunished by God who is just. Sin must be dealt with. 
You are justified only on the basis of Jesus dying for your sin. This is the ground or the cause of justification. Very simply put, justification is caught by faith, but it is caused by Jesus' death on the cross. So that may help us to understand generally Paul's flow of thought in this section of Romans. He moved from the grasp of justification to the ground of justification. And that's because we would have no justification to grasp by faith if there were no grounds for it. The flow in our text moves from the approximate to the primary, from how justification is acquired to how it was originally accomplished. This is also, this is also seen in the very grammar of the text. Compare chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, to chapter 5, verse 9, much more than having been justified by his blood. Hear the difference? How is a man justified from the guilt of his sin? By faith. But why is a man justified from the guilt of his sin? Because of the death of Jesus Christ in his place. Now, that's the doctrine of justification in general. Let's move further into our text to discover the blessings of justification. There are blessings in justification by faith and blessings in justification by Christ's blood or death. This is marked off in our text by certain language which helps us to follow Paul's thought process. We begin in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. In verse 1, we read, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have. And we see that again in verse 2. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we have peace with God and we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God and this is the present reconciliation we have with him. We are not at war with God, but now have peace with him. Sin is war with God. Faith is peace with him. It is reconciliation or provides reconciliation. That's one blessing we have. Another blessing we have is standing in a position of grace, that is, favor in front of God. The sinner, the ungodly man, stands in a position of guilt, shame, and condemnation in front of God, the judge. We sum that up in our study of Romans 2 and 3. But the justified person stands in a position of grace, that is, favor with God, no longer guilty, 
no longer under condemnation before God. You're in good standing with God because of faith. And because of that, there is no longer a fear of condemnation, but there is joy in the hope of the glory of God. That is, your expectation is now no longer God's wrath, but God's glory. Where there was no hope, there is now hope for the person justified by faith. And so, in justification by faith, what do we have? We have blessings of peace and favor from God. And that gives hope. But in another way, it has been said of justification that it is true, it is by faith alone. But faith is never alone. Faith is always accompanied by her lovely sisters, hope and love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. We identify those three here in our text. There is faith. She handles our justification before God. There is hope. She delights and encourages us, even when life is so hard. She doesn't disappoint us because of her elder sister, love. There is love. Love fills our hearts with the very presence of God. And if God is within us, what tribulation can ever finally damage us or undo us? None, because the glory of God is our expectation and hope remains. And all those trials and tribulations do not ruin us, but they do renovate us. They build patience and character in us where most likely not much existed before. Paul said in verses 3 and 4, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. And if character is being built within us, then we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, And if that's being done, then there is hope. Thank God for the trials in your journey of faith to glory. Take heart and cheer up. The character of your God is being built in you. Hope remains when the glory of God is your goal and God's preparing you for it from within. Love, love within you assures the certainty of that. Because God within you assures your final arrival to his glory, which for now seems so distant. Recently, we read Mark chapter 4 in one of our Bible readings on the Lord's Day. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus got into a boat and told his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. They set sail. Storms arose and waves beat on the boat. The water was filling it. It cried out in the midst of this tribulation, forgetful of who was in the boat with them. Jesus arose, rebuked the storm and the sea, and all was quiet. Jesus then questioned their faith. How is it that you have no faith? If God has justified you, reconciled you to himself, favored you, promised you glory, and above all has filled you with himself, then there is hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint. He will see you through to what he has promised. How? 
by his very presence within you. And then there are the blessings of justification from verses 9 up to 11. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We've seen the blessings of justification from the standpoint of what we have by faith. In this portion, we will see what we shall have by Christ's blood or because of his death. This portion of Paul's outline is marked off beginning in verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath. Verse 10 repeats that from a distinct perspective, saying again, we shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved from wrath and we shall be saved by his life. So the blessings of justification by Christ's blood are salvation from the wrath of God and final salvation by the life of Christ. One blessing is the ultimate escape, the escape from death and hell, the sinner's desert. And that's because of the other blessing, the Savior, Jesus himself, the life he is, that he gives. His life, just as his death, saves. If you've been justified and reconciled to God by Jesus' death, then most assuredly you shall be finally saved by his life because he lives. Many worry that they can lose their salvation. My friends, if you've been truly saved, you will never be lost. The blood of Jesus shall never lose its power. That old hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood, says. He lives. The death of Jesus certainly justifies and certainly reconciles, and that's because Jesus rose from the dead. He lives, and by his life, those who are justified shall finally be saved. In the first section, in justification by faith, we see the blessings we have now, and the joy we have even in tribulations, because those can only finally contribute to our hope. The God of love is in us. In the second section, in justification by the death of Jesus, by his blood, we see the blessings we certainly shall have and the joy we have in God himself because he reconciled us to himself to save us completely. And how is it that we have all these blessings? How is it that we have these blessings within and without, subjective and objective, those now and those to come? The mediator of all these blessings is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have them through him. We can notice how the blessings of justification are presented in this section of scripture. In chapter five, in chapter five, verse one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 9 says, we shall be saved from wrath 
through him. Verse 10, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. We shall be saved by his life. And verse 11, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. All these blessings are ours through the mediation of Jesus Christ, his person, and his work. And that brings us to the author of justification. That is, who does it come from? Well, it doesn't come from you and me. It is not something you get as a reward for your smart thinking to believe. Justification is not even the psychological forgiving of ourselves. Uh, Some people in our day and age might attempt to diminish it. It actually comes from God. Romans 4 explicitly says that. God justifies the ungodly. God imputes righteousness. The Lord shall not impute sin. God is the author of justification, and no wonder, for he is, according to Genesis 18, the judge of all the earth. Only the one with absolute legal power in heaven and earth can justify a sinner. But even more so, Romans 5 shows us the fullness of God's involvement in our justification. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, authored this justification in unity. In Romans 5, 8, the justification of unworthy sinners is God's, that is, the Father's demonstration of love. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, it says. In the same verse, that demonstration of the Father is that Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says in chapter five, verse six, it says Christ died for the ungodly. And in five, verse nine, we read having now been justified by his blood. So the justification of unworthy sinners is also the son's accomplishment. We previously read in chapter five, verse five, that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So now we understand that the justification of unworthy sinners is the Holy Spirit's application of what the Son accomplished and the Father afforded or else demonstrated. The Father afforded justification, the Son accomplished justification, and the Holy Spirit applies that justification. The author of justification is nothing less than the fullness of the Godhead. And then logically, we move now to the wonderful motive for justification. In speaking of the ground of your justification from all your sin, we've located it most centrally in the death of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Although it was afforded by the Father, he gave the Son, and then applied by the Spirit in time when you believed the gospel. What is behind all that? What is the main reason that this justification has been afforded, accomplished, and applied? What is the motive? It is, according to chapter 5, verse 8, the love of God. God's love is his eternal communicating or giving of himself. 
In justification, God gives his unmerited goodness. He gives his unearned kindness. He gives the gift of righteousness, and he does so personally. He demonstrated his love. He gave the Son for us. He gives the Spirit to us. That is, in justification, God gives himself for us and to us, in the Son and in the Spirit. This is the love of God. This is the motive behind justification. God's giving of himself for you and to you. And it is a wonderful motive. It is wonderful because as verses 6 to 8 shows us, in justification, God loves the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly, verse 6 says. Verses 7 and 8 shows us how wonderful God's love is. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For people whom you consider the most virtuous and the worthiest, it would be very difficult for you to offer yourself in their place, that is, if they were sentenced to the death penalty. <laughs> Paul understood that. He said it would scarcely happen. But perhaps, perhaps, maybe. But let's consider a criminal, a dangerous person, a guilty, guilty man. Someone who deserves punishment, a wanted man. Could you offer yourself to die in that, per in that person's place? The answer, undoubtedly, is no, absolutely not. It's unthinkable. And so anyone who would do such a thing would be considered wonderful, either negatively or positively, because it would be that, a wonder of wonders. Incredible. The analogy is meant to highlight the wonderful motive behind justification. That wonderful motive is the love of God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are the criminal. You are the offender. Christ died substitutionally and vicariously in your place because he loved you. This may be illustrated to a certain degree in the account of the crucifixion, in which Christ the innocent was condemned to die, but Barabbas the murderer was set free. It's just an illustration, but it pushes the envelope. What a wonderful motive it is that authored our justification. The wonderful love of God.